Welcome to Horror Nights in Podcasts with me, your host, Crystal, where I talk about anything and all horror. So on this podcast, I do have a special guest. He's co-hosting with me. Um, He did change his Twitter name, so his name is not Patrick on Twitter anymore. It's Critics Not Cynics. Um, We will be giving you our honest and horrific opinion on two different horror movies. Um, We're going to drop some spoilers. We never lie. We always keep it real. Um, Sometimes I do specials and sometimes I have co-hosts, just like today. Um, so to keep up with all things horror and the Horror Nights in podcast, please join my Twitter family by following me at Horror Daddies RS. We have a ton of fun over there, and I love interacting and chatting with you guys, so please join in. And yes, the official Blumhouse Twitter account already did come for me for my Twitter name. Um, also, be sure to follow my podcast on whatever app you use. I am available for your listening pleasure on SoundCloud, iTunes, and YouTube. So as I said, I do have a special co-host with me uh, this evening. Uh, this is Patrick. He's been on the show a couple times before. Say hi, Patrick. Hello. How is it in Ohio? It's cold. Yeah? <laughs> it's really cold. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's pretty cold in, in uh, where I, Pennsylvania today, right outside of Philly. Um, yeah. Actually, the other day it was 59 degrees. <laughs> yeah, we got a night. We had one nice day too, and then it just went all the all the shit. Then, <laughs> so we're going to be covering a couple things. Um, this is the Rob Zombie special. If you do follow me on Twitter, you already know that. Um, so disclaimer and fair warning: we will be talking about the House of Thousand Corpses and the Devil's Rejects. Um, so, but before we get into that, I wanted to give a quick podcast shout out to the Swearwolves. I've been listening to their podcast all week and I've been binging them. And I really feel like when I start to listen to a podcast, I really just binge it. Do you do the same thing, Patrick, when it comes to podcasts, that, like especially horror movie podcasts? Oh, yeah. When I, when I find a new one or I find one that definitely uh, strikes a fancy, uh, I just go and listen to a bunch of them back-to-back or, you know, how many episodes they ever have in. For sure. Um, so, as I said last week, I love the uh, Kim and Kat Stay Alive. Uh, I think Patrick and I, I think we both started listening to the same horror movie podcast at the same time, or not at the same time, but, like, they were the first ones we listened to, um, the horror movie podcast. Yep. I think they were the they were the first um, horror podcast I ever listened to. So, and I think you said the same thing, too. Yeah. Um, so also we're going to talk about, before we get into the review, we're going to talk about, um, a couple previews and that are in horror movies that are coming up. We're also going to discuss, uh, some things we watched in the last couple weeks. So Patrick, you actually finished, um, you on Netflix, Y-O-U, right? This week? Yes. So as a whole, did you like the series? Did you find it intriguing? I liked it a lot. Um. Considering when I did some re- research uh, on the show, I think it was after you told me about it, uh, found out it was originally like a, a lifetime show. And that kind of 
from a male perspective is, is uh, not necessarily <laughs> something we want to watch all the time. But, you know, being branded as a Netflix original, being kind of shown as a really interesting thriller, uh, I watched it. I mean, you gave it some glowing uh, reviews uh, or, you know, you text me about it so that you know, I really needed to check it out. And I finished it this past week and it's fantastic. It's got a great cast. Uh, it's just really well shot, really well done. Uh, I mean, I was really surprised with it. So I thought the last scene, and obviously, as I said earlier, there are spoilers in my podcast. So if you haven't watched it yet, just turn down the volume for like 30 seconds. Um, so I thought the last scene was so cheesy I was not into it it's like I I feel like Joe was kind of untouchable and then and we assume that he killed Candace and then all of a sudden she just comes strolling into the bookstore like with her hoodie up like looking like really cool and I'm like no that's stupid that's cheesy you're supposed to be dead (laughs) well see I kind of I kind of liked that because um well one he didn't offhand know right away it was her and it caught his eye just like Beck caught his eye at the very in the very first episode, and so you're thinking as as a, a viewer that okay he's moving on to another potential victim, and then you find out oh wait no it's Candace and this man who seems to think of everything and never manage to get caught now has to deal with the consequences of some previous actions and now that kind of untouchable uh feeling you got now it's he's not quite untouchable because now it's going to be more if they do a season two uh it's going to be a little bit more of a worry for for joe yeah he's probably just gonna kill her so it's fine um (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i hopefully do you know if it got renewed for season two yet or we're not sure i haven't heard anything Uh, i haven't seen anything uh i mean i haven't seen anything that's been canceled or anything either but i know it's been very popular. It's It's been watched a lot by people on Netflix. Yeah, they'll probably give it another season, too. I just hope it doesn't fizzle out, and I hope it doesn't get stupid and cheesy. And, right. You know, um... So, yeah, so if you guys not have, if you haven't checked that out yet, definitely go check it out. Um, so you saw a movie this week, didn't you? Uh, last week, but yes. Mm-hmm. What movie was it? I saw Glass. Yeah? Uh, How was it? Uh, the third and i get i don't know exactly what the the title is for in night Shyamalan's little trilogy here but i guess the unbreakable trilogy uh you know starting with unbreakable and then it was split and now glass which you know ties all three of those movies together so it's, it was a it's a very interesting movie um i i had a love-hate relationship with it uh there was a lot that i think it did right but i also think there was some that it did wrong and uh, an issue, I, and I think this would be most people's issue with the film, is the, is the final act. Like, most of it is very upsetting. It makes sense in, when you finish the film. It makes sense how it played out. But it, it's just, I think, it, maybe it's a testament of how well Shyamalan wrote those characters or how intriguing he made those characters to have me re- at least me react this way or have a wider audience react this way but i will say that the final scene of the film is actually fantastic so mm-hmm. i mean 
whatever problems I had in the final act that at least the ending sequence is really good, which is something I will have to talk about later in this uh, episode about one of the films that we're talking about. (laughs) All right, cool. Awesome. So I've actually never seen any of the Unbreakable trilogy. Um, My sister Taylor, she loved the movie Split. She saw it in theaters twice and she actually owns the Blu-ray now. Um, She said it was an amazing movie. Um, Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I think I'd have to start at the beginning and then work my way to glass. Uh, it's so. probably best, but I, yeah. I do have to also say James McAvoy does such a wonderful job doing the multiple personalities. I mean, it's his performance is so believable. Uh, even, I mean, even though he's not necessarily... I mean, he's a main character, but he's not a main... Just the main focus, as mm-hmm. he was in Split... Just a, the, he's able to bring those characters to life and and seamlessly transition from personality to personality, and it's just, it's amazing. Yeah, um, I was I have to definitely check it out. I'm not a huge Bruce Willis fan, <laughs> um, so but maybe one day I'll check him out. <laughs> So the next thing we're going to be talking about is an upcoming horror movie that's going to come out February 8th. Um, It's called The Prodigy. Um, So the only thing they've released about this movie, obviously, is the trailer. Uh, The first time I saw the trailer for this movie, I was on YouTube and I was waiting for something to load and this trailer popped up. So instead of skipping the ad like I do 99.9% of the time, I let it roll. And um, just because you can just tell a horror movie preview is coming by the, by, you know, the music and all that, all that stuff. So um, it's called The Prodigy. So from what I got from the, from the trailer, it's this super smart kid um, who has some kind of entity an evil entity inside of him and i thought the trailer i thought it was funny it said from a producer of the exorcism emily rose not like the producers just one just one producer so i started (laughs) laughing um and the actor who plays the main character miles is actually georgie from it and the mom is played by the main character from Orange is the New Black. I can't remember her name because Piper. I wasn't a huge uh, fan of that show, but I do recognize her just because Netflix rammed it down our throats when it would come out every June. So um, I, w- I did not like that show. I thought that show was terrible. Um, so sorry if any of the listeners like that show um, or if Patrick, you like that show. I'm not a fan I've of it. I've never watched an episode. I, I'm not a fan of it. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so the prodigy obviously is about a kid. If you've listened to my other podcast, you know, I don't like horror movies with children in them. Of course, this is a little bit different because the kid is the evil one, but then I got really omen vibes from this movie. Are uh, from this trailer, so I'm probably not gonna see it in theaters just because I don't know. It's probably gonna suck. <laughs> Patrick, what I do don't you know? I I think it looks uh, I think it looks really interesting, and I, and I don't. One th- clever thing that they did is an early trailer I saw for it just made it seem like he was gonna be just a straight up like sociopath that he was highly intelligent and but just completely rotten at the core. But then I saw a second trailer. I believe it played uh, when I saw Glass, and it uh, and it then it kind of was more about actually he's being possessed or something, and 
they did a really there's a really cool sequence in, in the trailer that I saw um, where she goes out to the the hallway the mm-hmm. mob and she sees her son down at the other end and he's kind of just kind of crying he's been frightened a little bit and she just you know says well come to mommy and he starts like running to her and as he gets to her it's like the, it, it's like bob from twin peaks like it's just this creepy old guy that grabs her and that was like how the trailer kind of like ended and it was just a really interesting sequence so I think it's got a very good potential to be a strong horror film, and I probably will be seeing it in theaters because <laughs> I don't have the same uh, uh, dislike of kids in horror films. <laughs> um, yeah, so Patrick, you'll have to watch it and then come back on the show and tell me if you liked it, and you tell me if you think that I'd like it. Um, All right. Because, I don't know, I find kids in horror, especially being like the main evil part of it, just so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a fan. So, and like I said, it reminded me of the Omen, but I don't know if Miles is adopted. I don't know if it's the same kind of story. I kind of missed that in the beginning. Um, but anyway, yeah, they hit theaters February 8th. Um, so another movie that's coming out that we don't have a release date for is the last, uh, the third part of Rob Zombie's uh, trilogy of House of a Thousand Corpses, and it is called The Three from Hell. So there's not too much on this movie, except a video still of Baby Firefly in cuffs, surrounded by sheriffs. It looks like she is in a courthouse. Um, she's also wearing a free baby t-shirt, which I assume might have been made for her by fans. Um, so we also have to assume the three that survived the shootout at the end of the Devil's Rejects and now are on trial for their crimes. Um, so the only thing we really need, uh, or the only thing that we really know is, um, I follow Rob Zombie on Instagram and he put up a picture, I think like four days ago now, um, it said that it was him and um, the actor who plays Otis, and it said um, he was with the three hard at work to deliver complete chaos for your entertainment dollar. So we have no release date yet, but hopefully this year, fingers crossed, I'm hoping that he finishes it because there was some um, mix up because he said that he was finished filming him, finished filming the trilogy, but. Um, he kind of explained it a little bit on Instagram that his words got mixed up um, and that they're almost finished fil- filming a three from hell. So I'm crossing my fingers for this year, which brings us into the perfect segue into our Rob Zombie special for this evening. I'm so excited. I love Rob Zombie so much. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Crystal loves Rob Zombie so much and she's not hiding it anymore. <laughs> Um, I don't think you hit it in the first place, but, you know. I think I did. I, I could have, I feel like I could have definitely talked more about Rob Zombie in my previous episodes, but we'll get into that later why I didn't. Um, so, obviously, on this episode of Horror Nights In, Patrick and I will be discussing uh, House of a Thousand Corpses and um, The Devil's Rejects. We're going to give you the Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb rating for each of them. Um, we're going to give you a short synopsis of it, and then we're kind of discuss it a little bit. We're going to talk about the plot, the characters, the endings, and our overall honest and horrific opinion. Um, so definitely stick with us. It's going to be a fun, fun, fun ro- <laughs> podcast. I'm so excited for Rob Zombie. Um, so I guess before we kind of get into each of the movies, um, 
I'm going to talk, well, basically, we're kind of just talk about the first time that we've seen the movies. Um, so I know a ton of people are either totally uh, for or against Rob Zombie, but <clears throat> I think my love for Rob Zombie started a couple years before House of Thousand Corpses came out, and it actually started with my dad. Um, so when I was in high school, I played soccer. I started playing soccer when I was in eighth grade, and if practice was canceled or if it was the weekend, so we would basically... Um, we would have soccer practice every day after school from three to five or six. I can't remember. Um, and when we were not at practice, our coaches wanted us to condition. Um, so he, my coach would tell us that we need to run and I hated running. So my dad actually made me a playlist and on it was, Rob Zombie's Dragula and Super Beast. So I became obsessed with those two songs and I would play them over and over and over again. And I'd be like, Dad, who is this? Like, I really like, you know, number four, number five. And he was like, he'd be like, oh, that's Rob Zombie. And I'm like, who's that? (laughs) So that's where my love of Rob Zombie really started was from my dad because my dad is super into that music. He liked White Zombie. Um, So I just remember, so even listening to the songs now, I actually still listen to those two songs when I work out. Um, It just brings me back to the beginning of my love for Rob Zombie when I was in ninth grade um, running and conditioning for soccer. Uh, So... And then I was actually introduced to House of Thousand Corpses by a guy I was hanging out with that worked at my gym. Um, So after that, I watched it like several more times before giving it my ultimate spot of my favorite horror movie of all time. Because as soon as I found out that it was written directed by Rob Zombie, who I've loved for so long, I was like, yes, like this is so good. Um, so, and I, I mean, I've watched plenty of horror movies now, and this movie is, House of a Thousand Corpses is still my number one movie. Um, I think one of the main reasons why I love this movie so much, aside from the fact that I love, I've loved Rob Zombie since I was, like, 14 years old, um, it kind of, the movie kind of reminds me of an onion, like, there are so many layers to this movie that it just kept me entertained the whole time. Like, just when you think that it can't get any crazier, like, it does. And that's all I'm going to say about that for now. Um, so, Patrick, what was the first time you've ever seen House of Thousand Corpses or Devil Rejects? House of Thousand Corpses had a little uh, bit more of an impact on me. I remember when I saw House of a Thousand Corpses. I think I didn't get a chance to see it when it was in theaters, but I think... I may have rented it when it came out uh, and it showed up at Blockbuster and uh, I don't remember exactly how I felt about it uh, the first time I watched it. I don't know. I, I know I didn't hate it, um, but I, I, I know that I, I don't think I revisited it for a, a, until Devil's uh, Rejects came out because that one I did get to see in theaters and that one... Uh, blew me away at, at how awesome it was. And, uh, you know, Rob Zombie I was familiar with from my aunt and uncle because they were big uh, Rob Zombie fans. And just like your dad, they were white zombie fans as well. I think they've even gotten to meet him a couple times. Oh, jealous! <laughs> and so I, um, I, I, I think once I revisited House after seeing Devil's Rejects, I think it stuck with me a lot more and uh, I enjoyed it a lot more. I, not that I didn't enjoy it the first time, but I just don't, I don't think it was, I, maybe I didn't have more of a refined taste or, or I didn't have 
an idea of like what I did or did not like horror because spoiler I love almost everything horror so I I don't know I I don't remember it having that much of an impression as much as Devil's Rejects yeah that's interesting interesting so that's about my history yeah so I think a lot of the I think for me too I don't think I was like ready for what I was about to watch so I think that's why the movie stuck with me so much was because I wasn't ready to see the things that Rob Zombie put into this movie uh, because I saw this movie when I was 21 so it was about nine years ago that I saw it and my like you said my taste for horror wasn't super defined yet I I was watching horror movies but it wasn't the way that it is now obviously but I think in that time I think that's why I I liked it so much was because it stuck with me for so many years and I've rewatched it so many times because I couldn't wrap my head around it the first time I ever watched it. So I think that's definitely one of the reasons why, but okay, interesting, interesting. I love that our families are uh, into Rob Zombie (laughs) and kind of like, (laughs) kind of like molded us. A little bit, yeah. Okay, so now we're going to get into House of Thousand Corpses first, then we're going to go into Devil's Rejects because it only makes sense, duh. Um, So Rotten Tomatoes gave House of Thousand Corpses a 19% with 65% of the audience liking it. IMDb gave it a 6.1 out of 10. House of Thousand Corpses was released April 11th, 2003, with a running time of 89 minutes. Um, So we have a group of friends traveling across America's highways, and we see that they're running low on gas, and they stop at Captain Spaulding's Museum of Weird Stuff and Fried Chicken. They are then introduced to the story of Dr. Satan by Captain Spaulding. After fueling up and getting back on the road to try and locate Dr. Satan's burial grounds, they get a flat tire. They then realize they have no spare, but they pick up a hitchhiker, which leads them to their ultimate demise. So, let's get into this movie. (laughs) (laughs) So, you actually rewatched it last night, correct? Yes, yes. It was probably the first time in, I'd say, at least five years. Oh, that's a sin! You have to watch it at least every year! (laughs) You gotta watch it more. It's so good. So, um... We're kind of just going to talk about some things here. Um, I'm going to start out with my favorite character of the movie. My favorite character is actually Baby Firefly, a.k.a. Sherry Moon Zombie, who is married to Rob Zombie, a.k.a. somebody I want to be. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) I'm kidding. (laughs) Um, So I don't think that she was the craziest of them all, um, but she did have her moments Especially when, you know, she says, like, I'll fucking cut your tits off and shove them down your throat. Like, that's obviously psycho. But I do not think she was the craziest of any of them. Um, Her laugh is also great, which I know a lot of people find it annoying, but I loved it. Um, I also think her character is just definitely heightened by the amazing actors around her, like the actors who played... um, Captain Spaulding and Bill Mosley as Otis. Um, she was definitely by far my favorite, but I also think it's because as a female who watches horror movies, I never really got to see the sheer craziness of a woman serial killer on screen, especially when I was at 21. Um, so I think this was the first time that it was really depicted that a woman could just, you know, be almost as crazy as the men 
um, in some of the horror movies that I was watching. Because a lot of the times the movies I was watching back then were like, you know, like Halloween and Friday the 13th and, um, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street and all of the killers were men. So that's what I was so used to seeing. So I think the first time I watched this movie and, you know, Baby Firefly came out and she was just fucking insane. Um, I think that's why her character is just my favorite because I would totally be her for Halloween, but I don't think anybody would know who I was. (laughs) They they may now. Um, And I think it's maybe had more proliferation with with the horror uh, audience now. Uh, I think mainly more after Devil's Rejects. I think... I think this one really kind of flew under the radar because it's his first feature film. You know, he wrote it, directed it, and, and you know, it had its own issues and, uh, with getting out to theaters. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it had that low critic rating. Uh, probably that audience score was, that's probably varied over the years, but I'm, I'm betting a whole lot of people didn't get out to see this in theaters because of just everything that surrounds it and and being a first time film from a musician that's known to be you know maybe a little bit on edge for some people it's not for a mainstream audience but i think you would get more recognition for for it now yeah especially when three from hell comes out i feel like and i mean if i can find like two other guys to do this with me then it would probably make more sense like if I had somebody dressed up as like Captain Spaulding then I had somebody dressed up as like Otis and then I was Baby Firefly then it would probably make a little bit more sense but that would require me to go to a party and I don't really like to leave my house (laughs) (laughs) so (laughs) so um I don't think that's gonna be happening but I think it's definitely something that would be cool like if I ever went to like a Halloween convention I know they have some in Philly um, to kind of go as, I think it's called like cosplay where you dress up as a character. I oh, could yeah, be wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I would definitely go as baby for sure, because I feel like her character is so iconic. And as I said, yes, it does. It, it, it her, her part is definitely enhanced by her, um, by the people that she's acting with in the scene because Captain Spaulding and Otis are just, I think that their characters are amazing. Um, so who's your favorite character in House of Thousand Corpses? Well, you know, I'm going to break the rules a little bit because I can't decide between the two that I love the most. Okay. Uh, and it should be very obvious of who I'm talking about. Uh, Captain Spaulding and Otis. I mean, <laughs> yeah. they are two diametrically different characters but they're played to perfection by Sid Haig and Bill Mosley. And like, that's, that's where it's so hard to really try to decide which one's better because Otis is just fucking nuts. I mean, the man is just, I mean, he's just crazy. Like there's, he, like he references himself in Devil's Rejects. Like he is the devil, you know, and he is Mm -hmm. there to do the devil's work. Whereas Captain Spaulding's just like, I ain't going to deal with your shit, but I'm going to do it with a, with as much fucking humor as possible. And, uh, and just, you know, be crazy as well. They're, they're both different types of crazy. And when you have scenes primarily in devil's rejects where they actually play off of each other, it's just a beauty to watch them on the screen. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't, I couldn't just like narrow it down to just who wins more because I mean, you got, Captain Spaulding there at the be- very beginning of the movie 
you know, talking to the customer, and then you have the two bank robbers show up, and you think, oh crap, you know, this is not going to go well, and then you know, he manages to end up pulls out a gun, blows you know both of them in, in the brain away, and just like they're like, okay, this isn't you know, <laughs> and he's what like, I was expecting, and he's like, fuck your mama, and then like, yeah. fuck your daddy. <laughs> And then, and then and then fuck your grandma. Yeah. And just like, and you know, no, no scared. He's not scared of the gun. In he his doesn't face. give a and fuck. Then, yeah. It just, um, and then you've got Otis who literally skins one of the characters father and wears it. And it's like going, give daddy a kiss. You know, give <laughs> I daddy know. Sugar. That's and, what I mean. And, you know, it's so fucked up, but it's like so yeah. good. And as a horror fan, oh, yeah. you're just like, yes, like fuck, like yes, I want to see more. Like show me more. Like crazy. Absolutely. It's so, so you know, good. They're just they're two different types of, of crazy that like I just can't decide. I, I can't decide between the two of them. So. I have to say they are both my favorite characters. Yeah, okay. Interesting, interesting. Um, so now I kind of want to talk about um, some of the scenes in the movie. So we also um, we have the cutting off of Bill's hand, which is played by Rain Wilson, um, and his demise as Fishboy. Um, we also have all the dead bodies of the missing cheerleaders kind of just like chilling in bed um we have the killing of the sheriff with the slow pan of the camera it's actually 26 seconds long before he shoots him in the head um the stabbing of one of the girls in the bunny costume by baby firefly the course the really fucked up scene with dr satan and jerry who's played by chris hardwick um the scene where otis is wearing the face of the dead father um which is what patrick mentioned um so just a lot of really fucked up shit throughout this whole movie um and i just remember the scene where the girl is in the shed in the back and she's like tied up and like there's like dead girls behind her um so this entire movie is just the definition of just grotesque and kind of uncomfortable horror a little bit too like some that kind of makes you want to like look away but also at the same time as a horror fan you're kind of just like give me more um so it actually took a lot of reshots and lighting for it to be released which is kind of what you were saying before which we'll get into a little bit uh later um so i think i think I'm trying to think of the scene that stuck with me the most. Um, probably when they have, um, what's his name? Oh, oh, uh, Bill. When they're, ha- when they have him, like, and they cut off his hand. Oh, yeah. And they're all dancing around. And she's taking, like, babies, like, taking, like, a straight razor and, like, slicing his face. Oh, and then she scalps him. <laughs> Or that might be the other one. I forget. That that happens to Jerry, Chris Hardwick. Yes. So that, those two scenes, those probably were the ones that were like really disgusting. And I know in um, the scene where they're cutting off Bill's hand, he like, (laughs) Otis like cuts his hand off and then he like shakes it in front of his face and then he like slaps him with it. Um, and then the whole time that scene's going on, we have the Brick House playing. And I would never, ever, ever listen to that song the same way ever, ever again. <laughs> Every time I hear that song come on, I just think of the scene where Bill's getting his hand dropped off. <laughs> um, so there's definitely a lot of scenes 
I think by the time that it honestly got to the doctors, they didn't see it at the end. I was just kind of on overload when it came to just the grotesque and like being uncomfortable. So that's why I said I had to rewatch it a few times to actually see what was happening to Jerry, who is Chris Hardwick's character. He's basically being like operated on while he's still alive. Um, so what scene really stuck with you the most? Like what scene or did you really like the most? Or did you think that had like the best, um, kind of technique done or just, you know, answer all the questions now. (laughs) I think what, what is my, uh, what is my favorite sequence, at least in the film is, uh, when the, the sheriffs and the father show up to the house and you just have that whole scene play out where you have the, um, um, the, what the deputy or the, the sheriff, uh, Wydell, uh, character, uh, played by Tom Tow's, uh, rest of soul, uh, mm-hmm. going in and talking to mama firefly. And then you have Walton Goggins, the, the younger, uh, deputy discovering, I believe he discovers bodies. I, I know that they see what's going on here because they're outside while while uh, Wydell is inside talking to a Mama Firefly, and uh, you just they there's no real sound playing. It's all kind of almost slow motion, and then you know you feel bad when the dad gets shot, and it's just it's it's full of emotion uh, without having to overplay it. And then, like you said, that 26-second shot of him just holding the gun uh, in front of Walton Goggins' uh, character's face, and you're, you're just panning back and panning back and panning back, and you're just waiting for that shot to go off. That you know, It's almost shocking when the shot actually goes off. And in fact, when I got it on DVD many years later, even on Blu-ray, I thought I had forgotten that that scene took so long. I thought my my Blu-ray had frozen and, oh, and really? finally the gunshot goes off and I'm like, okay, that, that was intentional. I totally had forgotten the length of that scene. And I just think how everything plays and how, uh, cause you know, Wydell ends up getting shot in the head by mama firefly and just ever all the sequences. It's just low key, but it's, it's all film technique and it's perfect directing from zombie. Oh, no, yeah, I totally agree. Um, When that scene actually happened, I do remember, very vaguely remember being like, oh, okay, like, the cops are there, the dad's there, like, they're they're going to get the, the girls out and everything's going to be fine, and then it just doesn't happen. And I think that's where the movie definitely took a turn for me because I was like, no one can beat the firefall, these people. Like, there's not anything that's going to happen in this movie. Like anybody that crosses these people are not surviving. Like you're not going to be alive by the end of this. Um, and I think that, I think that's where the movie just really stuck with me. Cause I feel like when you watch movies, especially horror movies, there's always maybe like a survivor or, you know, the victims kind of kind of get a one up on their killer but when it comes to rob zombies horror movies they never the victims never win they never do um i mean maybe a little bit when you get into devil's rejects we can probably change that idea a little bit but 
in the House of a Thousand Corpses world, the victims never win. And I think that is why the movie is so good to me is because there is literally no hope for anybody that crosses their path. And they just fuck with people in the most grotesque way. And I think that's, you know, just another one of the reasons why I love this movie so much. (laughs) So, um, okay, cool. So now we're going to go into, I was actually watching an interview with Rob Zombie and the way that he talks about his horror movies, um, is kind of, it's kind of cool in almost a sense, like he doesn't really give a fuck, but he kind of does, um, So he said in the one interview, he said this movie, he was talking about House of a Thousand Corpses. He said this movie won't shock horror fans. He's like, I want someone unsuspecting to walk in by accident like someone's mom just to see their reaction. And I have, so I have a stepmom and she literally cannot even watch a preview without it haunting her for the rest of like the night and like the next two weeks. She literally has to sleep with like her all the lights on if this if she watches a horror movie or or I'm sorry if she watches a preview um she doesn't watch horror movies she hates them she hates everything about them which is funny because my dad obviously loves horror movies so (laughs) um so when I was watching that I was like oh my god he wants my stepmom to watch House of Thousand Corpses (laughs) (laughs) and I thought that was so interesting because he was right like when when horror fans watch House of a Thousand Corpses, they're kind of just like, oh, that's really fucked up, but, like, I want to finish this movie and probably buy it. He wants more of the reaction um, of people who are not into horror. He wants to see their reaction, which kind of reminds me a little bit of Tom Six, who um, directed um, The Human Centipede. I don't know if you follow him on Twitter or... No, re- no. Okay, so... A lot of the times if you go on his feed, he retweets people's reviews of his movie, of The Human Centipede, and they're all negative. They're like, whoever filmed or whoever thought of a concept such as The Human Centipede should have to be a human centipede, and this movie's disgusting, and this movie's so grotesque, and who would ever think, you know, just things like that. So he, he'll retweet it. And he'll be like, thanks for watching or something. You know what I mean? Like, real petty. But at the same time, it reminded me so much of Rob Zombie because I think that's kind of what he wants, too. He wants people who don't particularly watch horror to watch his movie because he knows that horror fans are going to love it. He knows that horror fans aren't going to be freaked out about it. So I thought that was interesting um, because you kind of want people that are into the genre to watch your movie. But Rob Zombie's like, nah. He's like, I want to... I want people who don't watch this, who don't watch horror to unsuspectingly walk in. So it would literally be like me in my living room or like when I lived at home, like me, like watching the house of those and corpses and my stepmom walking into like a crazy scene <laughs> and have her be like, Oh, dinner's ready. And be like, Oh, what the hell are you watching? <laughs> um, so I wish that that would happen. I would totally record her response and tweet it to Rob Zombie and be like, I remember the interview from 2005 where you said you wanted someone to walk in, someone's mom to walk in. So here it is. <laughs> Um, but then my stepmom would probably be scarred for life. So my dad would hate me because all the lights would be on the house all the time. Um, so let me see. Oh, and I was also, uh, watching another interview too. It was him and his wife, um, Sherry. Um, so basically they said that the movie took like $14 million to create, which is crazy. But 
when it came back, um, <clears throat> it actually made a shit ton of money. Um, so it cost a lot for the movie to be made, but it ended up um, apparently doing pretty well at the box office, um, as well as Devil's Rejects. So I was watching an interview, and the movie started with Universal, but I guess the chair of the Universal Studios said that she would never release something like that, and basically Rob Zombie was like, well, fuck you then, and he went to, I think he went to MGM next, and they said the same thing, and he's like, all right, well, fuck you then, and then he went to Lionsgate, and he said, Lionsgate, he's like, those people don't, he's like, nothing scares those people, so they released it, which is probably why it was actually finished in 2000, but it wasn't released for another three years, because nobody would release it, so I thought that was super interesting, um, And in the interviews, too, like, he just doesn't give a fuck. He basically said, like, he was basically calling the, whoever was the chair of Universal Studios at the time, he was, like, calling her, like, a shrewd (laughs) for not wanting to release his movie. (laughs) So I was just like, oh, wow, interesting. So, like, he just doesn't give a fuck. (laughs) So that's why I think if I ever met him, I don't know what I would say, because I feel like he would kind of just, like, I don't think he would make fun of me, but I think he would be very, very, very intimidating just because I feel like I put Rob Zombie on such a high pedestal, so I don't know what I would do if I actually ever met him. Like, it would be, it would be crazy. He'd probably be fine. Uh, that, I mean, I, I kind of, not that I've actually met him, but I did, my favorite um, non-horror director is, is Kevin Smith. And he kind of approaches his filmmaking in the same way, where, uh, you know, his early films are kind of praised and, and liked by most audiences, but then some of his more recent films, they're not as accepted by his fans nor by critics but he, he doesn't care like he's like i'm still making these movies and i'm doing what i want to do and i got to see him a couple years ago he did a um uh just a, a, a night with him at, at a nearby convention center and i got to i got to go i was only a couple rows away from from the stage and it was just even though you know, I wasn't personally interacting with him. You, you know, he just he seemed really approachable and just like a really awesome guy to just even talk to. In fact, he went like two hours after when he was supposed to stop talking and was yelling at the people that were trying to the the crew that were flashing their their stage lights. And he's like, "Wait a minute, I'm almost done. Let me finish." <laughs> and, you know, I, I have a feeling. Uh, you know. Rob Zombie's probably similar. Like, if probably that's, that's the same mentality they have about their films. They're, they're not going to, especially with their fans, they're not going to, you know, try to scare you or, or blow you off. Or anything. No, I don't think so. But I think if I went up to Rob Zombie and I'm like, oh my God, I love you so much. Like, I, I love your movies. He'd probably be like, well, why do you love my movies so much? <laughs> He'd be like, right, thank you. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I feel like he would be like, total, but I can't even think about that because it just makes me start sweating. So I can't think about being a <laughs> zombie. <laughs> I would like imagine if I met him like with his wife. Oh my, I'd be done. I'd be done. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to breathe. I really wouldn't. But I'm gonna man. I'm gonna do it right now. So it is twelve forty seven on January. 26, 2019, I am manifesting that I will be meeting Rob Zombie before I die. <laughs> I'm manifesting it right now. I'm manifesting it. I'm doing it. I'm going to meet him before I die. I'm going to get a picture with him. So, And then I'm going to frame it <laughs> and blow it up into like a poster size and keep it on my wall forever. <laughs> I'm manifesting it right now, guys. I'm doing it. So I can't wait to look back on this episode and be like, remember when I manifested it? It's real. (laughs) 
Oh my goodness. All right, guys. So before we get into Devil's Redux, we're just going to take a quick little break um, just to kind of recoup and get our notes in order because I have to find my notes and make sure that um, our microphones are all working and everything is still connected. So we will see you guys in <clears throat> two seconds your time. <laughs> Alright guys, we are back. I had to blow my nose um, because my nose was running terribly and I didn't want to blow my nose during Patrick talking, so <laughs> we had to take a break really quick so I could do that. Um, okay, so now we are going to get into the sequel to uh, House of Thousand Corpses, which is The Devil's Rejects. Um, so I actually, just give me one second, apparently I clicked on Rotten Tomatoes, but I didn't actually look at the ratings. So give me two seconds, and I will get you the ratings for The Devil's Rejects, which I have to assume are going to be higher than House, because I know that a lot of people... Oh, yesterday when I was, I kind of like do like a little run through, like a practice. And I kept say, saying the devil wears Prada. And I'm like, no, this is not the right movie. <laughs> um, even though I do, I do love the devil wears Prada, but it's two completely different movies. <laughs> All right, guys. So uh, Ron Smitos gave the devil's rejects a 53% with 78% of the audience liking it. Um, and then <clears throat> IMDB gave it. Oh, I see what I did. I switched the things around. Anyway, whatever. It happens. So, yeah, I kept saying the Devil Wars Prada, and I'm like, this is not right. Why do I keep saying this? <laughs> I was like, everybody who's listening to the podcast is going to be like, she's on crack if she thinks those two movies are the same. <laughs> um, and so IMDb gave it a 6.9 out of 10, which I suspected that it would be a lot higher. Uh, so we have our synopsis of the film ambushed by at their isolated home by Sheriff Wydell and a squad of armed men. The Firefly family wakes up one morning with guns blazing, yet only Otis and his sister baby managed to and yeah, managed to escape, escape the barrage of bullets unharmed. Hiding out in a backwater motel, the wanted siblings wait to rendezvous with their wayward father, Captain Spaulding, killing whoever happens to stand in their way um so i actually watched this movie last night again because the first two times i watched this movie i wasn't the biggest fan um and we'll get into that a little bit later oh uh, this movie was released july 22nd uh 2005 with a running time of 109 minutes so oh, about two years after the first one was released um so Devil's Rejects is obviously a sequel to Rob Zombie's House of Thousand Corpses. He did write and direct both of these films, um, but it is just a totally different movie. Uh, it really felt like Rob Zombie took some time to perfect his craft. Um, obviously, the cast of the movie was really good. We have the original three from House. And we also have um, William uh, Forsyth as the vengeful sheriff. We have... Um, the character who played Charlie, and we have Rondo, who is Danny Trio. He was in um, Sons of Anarchy. Um, so there also wasn't much of a storyline, but more of a concentration of the characters, and they're sometimes strange and well-done monologues. I'm looking at you, Sheriff, <laughs> um, <laughs> because some of the things that he was... He kind of went a little crazy in this movie as... I think anybody would that was looking for revenge. Um, so 
how do you feel about the Devil's Rejects versus House of Thousand Corpses? Uh, I personally prefer Devil's Rejects over House of a Thousand Corpses. Um, like you said, it, it is a different movie. Although it's a continuation of the Firefly family story, it feels almost as if nothing other than uh, Wydell's brother being murdered in the first movie really carries over. Like the whole Dr. Satan stuff, that's gone. Uh, you know, the, even I think the location of the house is really now it's more out in the desert versus where kind of it was more of a more of a farmhouse than, than what it was uh, in Devil's Rejects. But it was more uh, more grounded, more down to earth. Um, and it, it's it's definitely got the groundhouse style of the 70s. You know, also granted that it's set in the 70s. Um it's just, in my opinion, it's a far better version of what he may have been trying to do with House of a Thousand Corpses. Um, even though I would still like to see more of a faithful continuation of stuff they set up in House of a Thousand Corpses. Like, I wanted to know more about the Dr. Satan stuff, and now that's gone completely to the wayside. But this is probably what he intended more with House than uh, we got in House. And I think for that, it makes it a far better uh, movie. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, there were a couple of things in Devil's Rejects that I think... I, I think the reason why I had a hard time with this movie... Now, when I watched it last night, I think I have a newfound love for it because I did really, really enjoy it, which is not something I've been able to ever say about this movie. But I think, as we talked about earlier, just having like the refined taste in horror and kind of really honing in on your craft and I think it made me appreciate the movie more because when I was going when someone's like oh if you like House of Thousand Corpses did you see the sequel and I'm like oh I didn't even know there was a sequel this was like seven years ago guys this wasn't like yesterday so (laughs) so don't think this was this was recently I've known about this movie for a long time um so like oh yeah it's way better than the first one and I think I, I was probably like 22 or 23 when I watched Devil's Rejects and I think I was expecting it to be this like crazy movie just like the first one and I think I went in there with different expectations and then when I actually watched it I was like this is not what I expected at all so I kind of never rewatched it and then I think when I was 26 I rewatched it and obviously I rewatched it last night and now I just think it's a really good movie and I'm glad I can finally say that because uh, for a long time, I was very hesitant about it, but now I can definitely say that I really, really like The Devil's Rejects. I can't say that I like it more than House, just because House was my first, like, official horror movie that I really, really liked, um, but it's definitely top five for me, and I'm glad I can say that now, and I'm not lying either, because I don't lie. <laughs> um <laughs> This is definitely one of my top five movies. Um, So I have a whole bunch of notes because I watched it last night again. Obviously, the music is amazing, which we'll get into a little bit later. Um, There's also a lot of traumatizing scenes in this movie that we didn't really get in in, in house. Um, Because as I said, like nobody ever gets away from these three. 
Um, so the first scene that I thought was very traumatizing to children was when Captain Spaulding goes to uh, to steal the car. He goes to carjack that woman. He just backhands yes. her, and then he gets in the car, and then he's saying like he's traumatizing that little kid. <laughs> I knew he wasn't gonna kill him, but um, and then we have. Um, that poor, poor, just wrong place at the wrong time, the singing traveling group. Oh, mm-hmm. man, they were so helpless against them. Um, so I also have <clears throat> just a couple other things. Like, the sheriff's story, he was definitely out for revenge, that's for sure. Um, and then, oh, I have Otis. I have, I have lots of notes on Otis. Um, so... Otis is just pure evil and was definitely made to mimic Charles Manson. So if you listen to my other podcast, you know I have a fascination with cults. Uh, I talked about it on my Hereditary and the Invitation podcast. Um, Otis is a guy that scared the absolute shit out of me. I remember thinking if it were me in the house, um, or even in the second one, um, I would... I remember just being like traumatizing myself thinking of myself at the hands of Otis. <laughs> um, yes. But I'm also sick and twisted and would love to play one of his victims in the movie. In the, in the movie. In the movie. Not in real life. <laughs> um, but he's also, I think Otis is, I think Otis is the craziest, but he's also an artist. I mean, he took his craft very seriously, like when he made Fishboy. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> you know what I mean like I think yeah. I really think that he out he obviously he's out of his fucking mind um but I mean there I think that the three of them are at least Otis and and baby they're just so evil and I think what makes them so evil is that they just don't care about their consequences they literally have no conscience um well, see here's here's what's the I think the masterstroke from zombie on this because this is what I I kind of I may have noticed this when I first watched it but I know I definitely noticed it last night rewatching um is that you know you're not supposed to like these characters these are evil people like you said and you should be rooting for Wydell to get Mm -hmm. revenge for his brother's death in the first movie and and you think okay you know if these are basically children of the devil or just or even like the title itself the devil's rejects these are people so evil they can't even be in hell Mm -hmm. that you're not supposed to empathize or sympathize or even enjoy any aspects of their characters but what's so clever is zombie does a way of humanizing them without taking away the scare factor and then with Wydell dehumanizing him and upping a scare factor as you see his his mental state uh, just deteriorate mm-hmm. throughout the film and then he has the dream with his brother and he's convinced himself that you know him and his family line have been avenging angels for God oh and yeah he's on this earth to wipe out evil and you then but by doing what he does he commits evil and he is corrupted by them but yet you're given kind of a little nice shine of light to the fireflies to otis to captain spaulding to baby uh, just by you just see them just being almost humans especially once they get out of the sequences such as the the hotel scene and they're just trying to just get out 
of the problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they absolutely want to survive. So it's not like they want to be, they're not like going out there and being like, oh, whatever, fuck it, just kill me. Like, they're trying to survive. They're trying to go back to their normal way of living. Um, and I think, yeah, I just, this. I think the reason why just this movie kind of makes me not, it makes me a little uncomfortable because I am not a fan of humanizing my evil heroes kind of thing. I don't like to see when the evil ones are trapped or things like that. Like at the end of Halloween 2018, like I was really sad that Michael Myers is locked in the basement (laughs) with the fire. Um, So I kind of felt the same way when it came to them because they are so, so evil, but I was kind of rooting for them to escape. And, but at the same time, the sheriff took it into his own hands to, to be this evil person and thinking that, um, he was thinking that, you know, it's kind of like, oh, this whole thing just, it just really, really makes me angry because he's trying to be like this God servant and then he kept repeating like, I am, what was he saying? Like, Lord, I am your something. What was it that he was saying? like saying, like, I'm your avenging angel or I'm your, I can't remember exactly, but he, he was just like, I am, I am your servant. I am your tool. I, I can't remember. But let me just go back into my, because I actually went to a Catholic school from fifth grade to eighth grade. <laughs> so let uh, me. K, K, K through eighth for me here. Oh, so. shit. <laughs> so if I can remember correctly, there is a part in the Bible that basically says like, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Like, don't do that kind of thing. Like, it's not right. Like, right. you can't, like, two rights don't make, or two wrongs don't make a right kind of thing. And it's just like, the sheriff, he's just so in his head about getting revenge that he's using it as kind of a shield that God is is allowing him to do this, which kind of goes into more of, like, modern day, like, people being assholes to, you know, homosexuals because they think that it's God telling them to do this, which is kind of, like, the same right. thing. Now, granted, yes, the Fireflies are absolute evil, but the way that the sheriff was going at it was completely wrong and using God as that sense. But I just think that's why Rob Zombie, is this movie is just so good because yeah. he's just really, he he's just using so many different aspects of religion and good versus evil. And like the themes of, of The Devil's Rejects is just so good because like you said, you're not supposed to be rooting for the devil's rejects you're supposed to be rooting for the sheriff to you know essentially kidnap or you know put them in jail for the rest of their lives we don't really get that right we get him basically shadowing what they did in the first movie especially with a baby like running through um running through the farm and him saying he he basically is repeating the same thing that she's saying like here like I'll find you rabbit which is what baby yeah, says run, in rabbit, run. Mm-hmm, which is what baby says in house um so when tiny came out and snapped the sheriff's neck I was like okay cool like good because I just didn't I, I don't know I like the torture part just I don't know. I wasn't really a fan of him, like, using the the leather whip on Baby. Like, I, I, yeah. I that was very uncomfortable for me. And um, it kind of also, what you were saying, it humanized them when 
he had them all tied to the chair and he was stapling the victims to their chests and how Captain Spaulding was saying like that was his victim to try and save baby. But then baby was like, no, it was mine because she was trying to save Captain. So they are, you know, they do have qualities of good human beings, but it's only for their family. Um, right. Which segues us into Texas Chainsaw Massacre because I know we talked about this last night about how there are just so many similarities between the two movies. And I was reading an interview that Rob Zombie absolutely loves the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and did draw in for inspiration from that movie. Um, so it was, yeah, it was heavily inspired by the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, and... So I just really, really like that. So I think I'm definitely one of those Rob Zombie fans who thinks that he can't do anything wrong. <laughs> I mean, Lords of Salem, as we said before, I won't see that movie because I know at least Patrick told me it was a terrible movie. So I don't want to watch it. Good. I don't. Uh, what's it even about? Like, I don't even know what the movie is about. So it's it's about um, and and this may be a, a, a little bit of a, a nepotism problem where I. I do not dislike that he casts his wife in his films, but in every single film, as almost always the the lead character, it kind of just like it it loses its its shine. It loses its kind of novelty. But she is uh, essentially. I, I, it's been a while since I've seen it, so forgive me if I'm wrong on a few of the details. But she is a, I believe, a radio jockey. Or she's definitely in the music, but she li- lives in a little apartment uh, house that basically these witches live there too. And it, it kind of runs in parallel with uh, Suspiria with Hereditary mixed in a little bit. Okay. Um, where it's, uh, it's, they're basically going to try to convert her to become a witch. Okay. It's, it's the, basic thing i got from it and i could be misremembering it i just remember watching it i was so excited for it because i saw the trailers and i was expecting to be blown away by it and i was just left away wanting more from you, the film that i was just not what i wanted it to be do you think that i'll like it <laughs> i'd say you might because I think you and I kind of lined up on Hereditary uh, although we had differing opinions on Hereditary we both still didn't like it as much as everyone else yeah Um, so I think it's going to be a flip of the coin because on the flip side of me not liking Hereditary I loved Suspiria 2018 I mean I Mm -hmm. haven't done my mini review for it yet but I I I don't know because it's it's dealing kind of almost with the same topics and I feel Suspiria 2018 did a far better job than Hereditary did at, at when it comes to either a cult or a coven of, of witches uh, and a deal with Satan. And so maybe if I revisited Lords of Salem now, mm-hmm. I might enjoy it more. Um, but I, I just, he, it's weird. He's kind of got this weird, like, up and down curve of, he makes an okay movie with house. I mean, and, and it's reasonable that it's okay. It's, it's a, a great movie. Film. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's, it's a first film it's for a first writer, first time writer director. It's your first film. You can give them a little bit of a leeway with it. Not maybe hitting firing on all cylinders. 
And then you get doubles rejects and double rejects is like this high where it's like, okay, he's, he's learned from house. Yeah. He's perfected his craft. Mm-hmm. He knows how to write these characters. He, he's got some great storytelling elements uh, or techniques. And then you get to Halloween remake, which is a bit of a mixed bag for me where I like it, but I have issues with it because I like that he showed the house life for Michael. Like I was just going to say that. World, yeah, a real world explanation. Absolutely, 100% agree. Uh, but then when it got to what was actually the remake of the Carpenter film, I felt like it was rushed. Like it went through those motions way too quick and that we were at the end of the movie before we were really at the beginning of the movie. Mm -hmm. And then Halloween two starts out fantastic with the hospital. And then for me, immediately drops off when you find out that the hospital scene is all just a nightmare sequence. Yeah. And then he's kind of dropped down with Lords of Salem. Now 31. I was just going to ask you about that last night. Mm -hmm. Um, but I didn't get far into it. I have a feeling that that's actually from what I saw of it, I'm getting devil's rejects vibes from it a little bit. So I'm thinking it's going to be maybe a little bit more of an uptick on there. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. If, if that trajectory continues and then three from hell is just as amazing as devil's rejects. Yeah. So he's, he's just a hit or miss sometimes. Like he's not, all bad but at at times he's not all good except in my opinion with devil's rejects yeah yeah so 31 i was actually just looking at it's about five carnival workers are kidnapped the night before halloween and held hostage in a large compound at the mercy of their captors they're first forced to play a twisted game of life or death called 31 for the next 12 hours they must fight for their lives against an endless parade of homicidal maniacs now of course he's got his wife again as the lead character which which i i never really i know that she's in a lot of his movies but i guess i didn't realize that she's literally in every single one of them (laughs) yeah she's Um, she's, i mean she's michael's mom in in halloween and she's there in visions in halloween too yeah character in lords of salem uh she's not i don't think she's exactly maybe the main main character of 31 but she's of the group of the car- carnival workers and she's very prominent mm. of them from what i saw so i mean maybe he kind of like and and it's fine for three from hell because three from hell it makes perfect sense she's baby like there's you're yeah. not gonna cast a different actress for baby you know that's just that would be blasphemy at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so he likes maybe to reuse he just needs to cut actors. back a little bit. He likes to reuse a lot of his actors, though. In 31, he's got Malcolm McDowell in there. Um, and he Daniel played... Daniel Roebuck is in it. Um, yeah, and you know, and I have nothing wrong with that. I know that... Yeah. Uh, and I think it, that's a good sign that this is a director that these actors really like to work with. Mm-hmm. So when they're filming these things... It's not, they're not there just for the paycheck or for the potential paycheck of getting this, you know, whatever type of money that that's going to make at the box office. It's because they genuinely like working with that director. Yeah, me too. I'll work for free, Rob Zombie. (laughs) Yeah, but when it's your wife and you know, and you openly know it's, it's their, it's his wife. It's like, okay, we get it. You like putting your wife in your movies. It kind of gets tired after a little bit. But I think she does such a good job. Like, I think she's great. I think she's such a great actress. I think that she played Baby perfectly. She played Michael's mom so well. 
Um, I mean, I haven't really seen her. Obviously, uh, I loved her in House and Rejects and Halloween. Um, I'm definitely going to have to watch 31 and Lords of Salem to see. But I think she's a great actress. And I know a lot. Of, a lot. I think that's one of the maybe some of the problems that people have with Rob Zombie is that he does cast kind of all the same people. But I mean... It is, you know, if that's how he wants to make his movies, then we just kind of have to respect and that, him for and that's, that. That's true. Like, uh, and, I, and I'm not saying she's not a great actress either. Mm-hmm. It's, it's. Uh, I think Lords of Salem is maybe her weakest performance, mm-hmm. but uh, it, it's hard now when you know, uh, just just when you see her name, Sherry Moon Zombie, and you don't, it, it's just you're not disassociating the, the name from the character that she's playing. So when you see her on screen, you're just like, that's Rob Zombie's wife. Yeah. And so it kind of takes me out of the film a little bit because it, it's, it's a little bit of a detriment where I'm, I'm not going in going, okay, this is not so much for baby, but like, okay, this is Michael's mom or this is the character from Lords of Salem or she's Charlie in 31. I'm going, oh, it's Sherry Moon Zombie. It's Sherry Moon Zombie. That's and true. That's that's my issue with it a little bit. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think I agree with that, too. It kind of takes you out of the movie a little bit because you're like, oh, that's Rob Zombie's wife. Like, okay, cool. Like, what is she playing this time? No, I do. Right. I do. under, I do get that. Um, but let me think. Let me look at it. Yeah, so I'll definitely have to watch those. That's interesting. Um, I didn't realize that 31 was only released in 2016. So he really doesn't do a lot of – there's really not a lot of marketing for his films. Um, at least I don't think that there is – because... I think after uh, after Devils, he kind of went more uh, indie studio with it. Yeah. Uh, and then Lords of Salem didn't do well. And so I think, like, with 31, he just, like, people knew about it, but it wasn't, like, it didn't get released a wide release. It got a limited release. Mm-hmm. It's now, um, it's streaming on Shutter. It's been streaming on Shutter for a while now. Okay. Uh, but I think... Three from Hell might be like his first foray back into the the big. Uh, depending, I mean, I, I could be wrong because we don't know enough about it right now. We don't yeah. know what studio is going to release it, but uh, it could be that that's going to be a more of a more wider release than those other films. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so. Another thing I just have to go back to the reason why I love Rob Zombie so much is because if I were to direct a horror movie or write a horror movie or do both, it would 100% be along the same lines of the way that House of Thousand Corpses is. I love the idea of kind of like redneck, dirty, gritty family who are just plain evil in the middle of nowhere, just like fucking up everyone who crosses their path. Um, I think that's definitely something I would gear more towards um, if I were to ever write or direct or either one of them. Um, I do like psychological horror movies as well, but I think for me, just because the past 15 years of watching horror movies, um, like really watching them, not just like accidentally walking in on them and watching them, um, I think that I would do something very, very similar to the way that Rob Zombie creates his horror movies, which is probably another reason, you know, why I love him so much. So, um, I also just want to talk about the soundtracks for the movies, which I love. I'd still listen to the House of Thousand Corpses um, soundtrack. Um, I like how Rob Zombie is pretty much every single one of them. Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, 
seven, eight, nine, ten. He does so. There's 25 songs, and he does 11 of them. Um, okay. So I thought I really liked that. Um, <clears throat> so moving on. But I do have I have one one thing to say about the music, but not so much uh, of, of what his music uh, that's in the soundtrack, but more kind of going back on Devil's Rejects, like his use of 70s music in that film is perfect like mm-hmm. the just you have the the scene at the the i guess it's really a brothel and it's just you don't have any any noise going on you just but you have all the action scenes going on gunshots going off otis getting thrown through the window baby getting dragged out of the out of the bathroom um but i think this film has probably in my opinion the best ending of all time Really? Freebird. Oh, and yes. Driving on and and then just stopping Freebird's plane. They see the 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 barricade of the cop cars and they just go driving on into it, guns blazing, and that's right where the movie pretty much ends. Like, it's just it's a perfect use of the song mm-hmm. and and just the way it's shot. It's masterful. I mean, it's yeah. a masterstroke. I agree. Um, I also want to just. Before we uh, get into like the question part, um, I really like the way that um, they kind of use the screen transitions. Um, they use the camera, though the angles. Um, they went from steady to unsteady depending on the the scene. Um, I also liked how they used different newspaper clippings of um, the girls that were found and like the crime scene photos, so to speak. Um, I really just enjoyed the movie as a whole. And yes, when Freebird came on, I definitely got chills, which is, like I said, not something that I have done before or felt that way before about Devil's Rejects. So I'm glad that I was like, you know what? I'm just going to rewatch this movie because for the podcast and I have a completely newfound love for the Devil's Rejects. And like I said before, I'm super happy that I get to say that because I didn't <laughs> I wasn't really into it before. Um, this, one of the scenes that really I was like, why was this needed? And I really, really feel like it was maybe an inside joke was the chicken fucker scene. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just oh, yeah. I didn't really. I was like, uh, what? So we never really find out why they were getting the chickens. Um, <laughs> unless you knew well, but they were getting the chickens for Spalding to make us fried chicken I believe oh <laughs> so funny but yeah the whole scene I was like what the hell yeah. but um that was really funny I just wanted to touch on that really quick because the movie was so the movie is great and then all of a sudden like not that the chicken fucker scene like takes away from the movie whatsoever but it's it was a good it was uh I really like that movie all right, so are there any other scenes in the movie that you want to talk about from either of them before we get into the questions? Uh, no, I don't think so. All right, so I have a couple questions for Patrick, and I think Patrick has some for me. So by the end of Devil's Rejects, whose side were you on? <laughs> um, let's see, I think with Devil's Rejects, uh, I'm, I am on the side of... Of the fireplace, in yeah. all honesty. Like I Same. said, what what he does so well with that film is he takes these really awful characters, but he makes you like despise them and like them at the same time. And so he you get 
Wydell, and you're that's the guy you're supposed to be behind, and he just turns them turns him into a just despicable creature. That like I think by the end of it, I'm I'm rooting for the Fireflies to make it through that that make it through Freebird. Yeah, same. I think I felt the same with the end. Um, my other question, which you actually already answered, was which one was your favorite out of both of them? Um, which is Devil's Rejects. You are already... Devil's Rejects, but you know um, what? I, like I said earlier, I, I think a missed opportunity from House of a Thousand Corpses is I think House of a Thousand Corpses would have benefited from being a little bit longer and maybe provide a little bit more info or show more of Dr. Satan, uh, you know, cause I just wanted to know more about what was really going on there. Yeah. <laughs> and, and with devil's rejects almost goes the Sam Raimi evil dead two route where it, the events of the first film happened, but it rewrites some things and take gets rid of what didn't work from that first film. And w- this is where I kind of hope like free from hell goes a little bit. Cause you get, kind of House of a Thousand Corpses is kind of this weird fantasy horror with the Dr. Satan aspect of it, mm-hmm. or maybe supernatural horror is the word mm-hmm. I'm looking for. And then you get Devil's Rejects, which is straight, just gritty, realistic, Manson-style horror. Yeah, I'm no, it's perfect. I'm kind of hoping Three from Hell goes a little bit back to the supernatural bit of a little bit, that I don't necessarily want them to have survived that final scene, but because I because I, I think that that ending is so perfect that them surviving it kind of cheapens it. Yeah. So you know, I, I know what you were talking about with that from that that image that it's maybe she's on trial or, or that they're on trial. I I hope maybe it's a, it's a little bit more different than that. That there's another aspect from it that maybe even if they do die they somehow come back to life yeah and, uh, yeah you know based on the dr satan stuff but you know Dev- devils is definitely i think the better written and the better executed film over house but house is still a good film itself yeah um okay yeah i was gonna ask you what do you think your predictions for three from hell is actually gonna be about but i i honestly i have no idea either um i'm very interested to see where all that goes so, um, what are your questions for me? Well, I really only have uh, a one question. That's fine. Mainly, uh, and, it, and it's one to, to dig deep into anyway. So, because oh, uh, <laughs> you and I were discussing this about, um, you didn't want to openly admit that Rob Zombie was your favorite or that House Correct. was your like favorite horror film because you felt people didn't consider that to be like real horror. And... I'm wondering how you got that impression or where you got that impression from, or is it because, like I said, about how some of his later films have, amongst fans, have kind of dropped and they've kind of, their opinion of his films has declined. Do you think it's because of that, or is it something that he does in his films that normal horror fans aren't understanding? No, it actually goes back to when I was much younger and when I first watched House of Thousand Corpses. Um, I was somewhere and I was hanging out with with people. I was 23, you know, I was like 22 or 23. Um, And 
all of a sudden I somebody was like oh like I really like horror movies and I was just like oh like my favorite horror movie is House of Thousand Corpses and I think I just got like a weird look like why would you like that movie kind of thing and I think that's where because you know your first impression you get of someone or something is the first one that you go with and I think that's why I was very hesitant on um kind of telling people that Rob Zombie was my favorite horror director because I feel like people look at me differently because of that first initial impression of what I got when I said I really liked him and I think that kind of stuck with me for a while so um literally my first episode of my podcast ever I wanted it to be House of Thousand Corpses but I was like I don't know I was like maybe I should go with something that's not like super mainstream or something so I mean I I love what I've I what I, I started with the invitation which I obviously loved doing guys if you hear crunching in the background it's my cat she's eating so don't mind that and she has a little bell collar now so if that's what you hear then you know just say hi to Roxy so anyway um I think that's really why I I I was I got very negative remarks from people who just didn't they must have not liked him or they so they kind of just stuck with me for a long time and I was like I said, I, I I was hesitant, but now, I mean, it's completely different, but obviously it still kind of sticks with me this many years later because I didn't want to start out with him um, because I feel like people are so opinionated about him and I feel like people don't look at the movies the way that I do and they just look at the movie and they're like, this is garbage and um, I want to argue with them until I'm blue in the face because I feel like I have to defend Rob Zombie because I, because I love the movies so much and, um, I mean, now that I like The Devil's Rejects and I definitely add it to my top five, it's a little bit different, but it's still the same, um, I don't know. I mean, if somebody did say, hey, what's your favorite, who's your favorite director, I would say Rob Zombie because, I, and, you know, obviously I love Wes Craven and John Carpenter, um, but those are like the main, the main guys. So, right. I don't know, I feel like, I, I don't know, it's just this weird stigma that I think people have about him and I don't know why so okay well see I think like I think where I I can see where you're coming from because even I've said in this podcast where I have felt like he's kind of gone off the rails and some of his movies aren't as good but I don't think and I I don't think any real horror fan uh, could really ever say regardless of whether or not they like his film that it's not it's not horror. Like there's nothing about, cause I mean, it is horror. And one thing I noticed in, in rewatching this, this kind of led to our discussion about, you know, it being, uh, kind of reminiscent of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. When I was rewatching house of thousand corpses, I, I, I swear I was almost watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I mean, like yeah. there are, are sequences that are almost, and, and I'm not saying like he, he was stealing them from that movie or anything that, but he was trying to kind of, Give it that Texas Chainsaw Massacre feel. You've got some kind of sequences that play almost out very similarly, uh, except you know, minus the cannibalism aspect and, and Leatherface. Well, actually, no, you do kind of get a Leatherface uh, bit and that and that, but uh, a little bit. But I think that was kind of his homage to to Toby Hooper, and I don't think you're ever going to find anyone coming across saying Texas Chainsaw Massacre isn't real horror. So if if you kind of, if 
anyone tries to refute it or tries to say, well, you know, none of his movies are really horror films. They're just garbage. I, I think, like, you, uh, it's easy just to be able to point out and just say, well, the Saw movies are considered garbage, but they're horror films in themselves because these are people going through horrific experiences, real or imagined. And I think anything that causes any type of uh, visceral or emotional response um, whether it be in disgust, like you said, if your stepmother walked in and said, whoa, what the heck are you watching? <laughs> That's because she's horrified by yeah. what she's seeing. So, I mean, I, I think you're, I think you're fine. I, I yeah. don't know. I know a lot more people who say they just don't like his films than I've heard people say that it's not horror. So yeah. I think you're fine in the horror community. Yeah, to, I to hope so. That you like <laughs> it's definitely, like I said, it just kind of just stuck with me because it was to the point where I wasn't sure. I was like, well, am I a horror movie fan if I don't think that he's horror? Like, it, it kind of just like... But now, obviously, I know that I I do a pretty good job, so I can say that Rob Zombie, 100,000%, is my favorite writer and director of horror films, and anybody that doesn't agree with me, they don't have to agree with me, and that's okay. We can talk about it. You can come on my podcast. We can can discuss it. If you don't like Rob Zombie, you can absolutely come into Horror Nights in podcast and be a guest, and we can discuss why. (laughs) Um... (laughs) So before we get going, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to Marco Patsos. Apologize if I say your name wrong. He just gave me a five uh, star rating on iTunes on Wednesday. He said, great podcast. The new mic sounds awesome. I love your take on movies. Your thoughts being a fresh a fresh perspective. Keep it up. So thank you, Marco. Shout out to you. Um, so there you have it, guys. It is uh, my honest and our honest and horrific opinion on the um, House of Thousand Corpses and The Devil's Rejects. Do you like these movies? Do you hate these movies? How do you feel about Rob Zombie? Um, so thank you so much for listening to this episode of Horror Nights in Podcast with Patrick and I. Please remember to follow my podcast on whatever app you use. And if you could please rate Horror Nights in Podcast podcast to five out of five on itunes if you enjoyed my show i would greatly appreciate that leave a comment i'll give you a shout out on the show um so i will chat with you guys uh for another episode of horror nights in next weekend bye guys and thank you patrick again for coming on the show thanks for having me all right guys talk to you later bye